What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another chapter of Ball Diary Podcast. This is chapter, if I'm not mistaken. Today, we have a special playoff edition episode for you guys. Um, we're going to introduce some new segments that should be pretty fun and interesting to talk about. And once again, joined here by Ray. You can follow me on Twitter at NBA. And I'm joined here once again by my man, Danny. You can follow him on Instagram or Twitter. That's at based underscore Dan, B-A-S-E-D underscore Dan. What's up, my man? What's going on, Ray? Just uh, catching up with these games, series, a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, and, of course, uh, big news for the city of Philadelphia, Meek Mill just got released. So he's actually attending uh, the Sixers and Heat game. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and Miami season looked like it's about to be over. I think Philly's Philly's yeah, yeah. Philly's, <laughs> Philly's up by 18 right now, so they're in control of this game. They look like they're moving on to the second round, and rightfully so. They're the better team all series. Um, they've been pretty impressive for a young team in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. So let's um, so let's jump into it, man. Uh, let's talk NBA playoffs. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think the most surprising thing is the thunder collapsing right before our, our eyes. Yeah, and it's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I'm kind of disappointed in the way Oklahoma City's came out in these playoffs. I mean, game one seemed like this team was ready. Uh, they had the ball moving. Paul George looked unreal. Carmelo Anthony had it going early on often. And then Russell Westbrook, of course, was being Russell Westbrook. But then after that, when they got when they got hit in the mouth, they didn't know how to respond. And it's been three games. So it's not like one game, okay, they, they took one from home and now they're in Utah. So we could battle. No, mm-hmm. they just haven't responded. They look flat. They look dis- disengaged. Russell Westbrook's bad habits continue, and it's really bad at this point. It's it's just at this point he's becoming more of a distraction than he is a viable player. Getting outplayed by Ricky Rubio and Donovan Mitchell, um, it's just ridiculous to me how this team full of talent can't get it together. And I know they're isolation players, and I know that's how they've played, and they've always been the first option on their teams no matter the win, but. If they don't, if they don't have it to get it together in the playoffs, they're never going to have it. No, I agree, and I mean, just to kind of, I think it was in March. I wrote a, I wrote an article about the Utah Jazz. I don't know if you remember, I posted it. Mm-hmm. Um, said the Utah Utah Jazz are coming, and I had mentioned yep. that this is a team that nobody wants to play in the first round, even if they weren't going to get out of the first round. They were going to give any team that they played a fight. Absolutely. And, it's showing, right? They're up 3-1 right now, and it looks like they've just completely t- ripped the hearts out of the Thunder. And like you said, all this personal stuff that's going on with the Thunder, I feel like they're getting way too into that, right? Utah's punching them in the mouth, and they're doing it within the flow of the game. They're, they're, um, they're using that as motivation, while the Thunder are just trying to fight everyone. <laughs> I feel like yeah, they're just trying it, to fight Paul George. Yesterday. Paul George, Westbrook are just trying to fight each other. I mean, fight fight players on the Jazz. I mean, it's like they're too much into this one-on-one matchups. Westbrook, especially, like you mentioned, he's it, it's just becoming too much, right? He's becoming a distraction, right? This whole thing of him versus Rubio. It's not about you and Rubio. Everyone knows you're better than Rubio. You don't have to prove that to us. You don't have to go out there full court, press Rubio, and guard him like he's Steph Curry because you're hurting your team defense. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So he's yeah. taken too much pride in his personal kind of appearance. He wants to look good. He wants to make sure that everyone knows, hey, I'm better than Rick. We know this. Right, but the problem is you guys aren't playing well as a team, and it's because of things like this. It's because of you wanting to go at Rubio and make sure that everyone knows you're better than him. And Paul George is, is going at it with Ingles, and they're just completely out of their game. They don't know what they're doing offensively. I mean, the last game they had ten assists the entire game. Like that that explains to you enough how they play basketball. Exactly. Right. The Jazz get into their offense, they move the ball, they take smart shots while the Thunder are sitting there just playing one on one basketball for an entire four quarters. I don't care how many good players you have, you're not going to beat a team like that. And it's it's surprising because this was a team that everyone had predicted could be a potential threat to the Thun, I mean to the Warriors and to the Rockets, but they look like they're on their way out of the first round and it doesn't look good for them because Paul George is a free agent. He doesn't seem happy playing next to Westbrook. I think it's it takes a lot to play with that guy. Melo has a $28 million player option, so I'm sure he's going to accept that and sit with the Thunder and then I don't think other free agents are going to be intrigued to want to play with Russell Westbrook. I think it's just too much. He's too much to handle. He's not coachable. They don't look like they're going in the right direction at all, man. And it's sad. I, I just it's sad think, because oh. because I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I love Russell Westbrook, right? You can't knock him for the way he plays the game. I've never seen anyone play the game with as much passion and heart as he does, but 
he's not a good team player. He's not a good leader, and he's not coachable. And it's showing, man. He, it's too much about him. It's too much about him chasing triple doubles and wanting to do that. That takes an effect on your team. You know what I'm saying? So it's sad, man. I, I don't like to see them go out like this, but it looks like they're on their way out of the first round, and, and I don't know what they're going to look like next year. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And it's like last year, everyone, when they get out of the first round, everyone's like, well, the Rockets had a better team. And, you know, it wasn't Russell Westbrook's mm-hmm. fault. He did everything he can. Yep. That was the main excuse. I'm a Russell Westbrook fan. You know, I really do appreciate the way that he plays. Everyone is. Right? I, think, I think he always has potential to be a top five player, even a top three player in this league. Just the way he is, his personality is a killer, and he wants it in the clutch. He's that kind of player. But what's the excuse this year? It's bad habits. Exactly. And it's not even an excuse. That's your fault. It's bad habits. You're bringing up the ball, and you're slowing it down. You're not moving it correctly, and you're not doing it in the offensive sets. You're pulling up and taking these shots that your shot selection, to me, sometimes I cringe. Because Russell Westbrook, when he pulls up for mid-range, he's usually pretty good. He's pretty on the money. Yeah, uh, He gets to the rack and get it to there anytime he wants. But then he just comes down the court and, and starts jacking up threes. And at one point, when you're the worst three-point shooter in the league, it, like at one point in the season, I think you were shooting like 20% mm-hmm. or less. You shouldn't be doing that. You have to play to your strengths. You find Steven Adams under and you can get 10 assists in one half, why don't you just play like the whole time? He needs to be more of a point guard. He, he, these bad habits, he's not utilizing his teammates. You don't have guys like you did last year. You have perennial all-stars who come in year in, year out who are 20-point-plus scores. And a guy like Paul George, he's essentially this could be a wasted year for him. It is, yeah. You know what I mean? You're 27, 20 years old. You're wasting a prime year and not having a great year. And he's a great player. And – Russ Westbrook is treating him like he was Victor Oladipo last year, mm-hmm. and that's that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the case. If you're Russell Westbrook, you have to create for your teammates. Yeah, you're a 25 plus point scorer, and you can get 30 any night. But you do it so ineffect ineffectively and inefficient and inefficient. It's just ridiculous. I can't. I sometimes I I look at this guy and I'm like, there's a reason why people say Steph Curry is better than you. There's a reason why some people even will take Kyrie Irving over you. Just because things like this, and, and I said, yeah, I, I said, I would, I would hundred percent take Kyrie because it's it's his ego that holds him back. It really is, right? It's like yeah. the regular season is a time when you and your team should develop good habits going into the playoffs. Everyone knew the Thunder was going to be a playoff team. You use the regular season to to build good habits, build good yeah. defensive habits, find out where Paul George likes to get the ball, where Melo could be efficient and effective. Not, it's, yeah. but it's it's what was the regular season about again this year? Can Russell Westbrook average triple double? And he's going out there and he's chasing rebounds instead of letting Adam get the rebound and potentially start a fast break with him being the outlet guy. You know what I'm saying? Like it's always mm-hmm. about him getting his triple doubles or him going up against a, a certain guy and wanting to lock him up or wanting to score 40 on him. And and it's showing. And, and that's exactly what's yeah. happening. And Rubio's putting on a clinic, right? Russell Westbrook's yeah. going at Rubio. And Rubio, you saw him yesterday. He was so calm. He was so calm, right? He's getting the ball. He's not trying anything different, even though he knows Russell Westbrook's like have, has a target on him. He's still playing the same way. He's getting his team into his offensive sets. He's moving the ball. He's taking his jump shots when he's open. And then on the other end, Russell Westbrook's just trying to go and kill him. And he ended up shooting like what five for eighteen, five for nineteen, and had a horrible game again. So it's his, yeah. I think it's his ego that's holding him back. And if he doesn't get it in check, I don't see him ever being the cornerstone of a championship team. And I don't see anyone wanting to go and play with him, to be honest with you. Guys. It's tough, man. It's tough when you have such a talent like Russell Westbrook, who, again, his, his heart and mentality are unmatched. I love unmatched. That. I love Me too. That. Me too. Because, you know, in the clutch, some people, you know, they want to shy away. This guy wants it. But if you're inefficient, it's kind of like a double-headed – it's like a double-edged sword. Yeah. He wants it so bad that he might have his team lose. You exactly. Know I mean? Exactly. But, and the same thing, like, in that press conference, oh, I'm going to shut that shit down. I'm going to – you know, lock up Ricky Rubio. Okay, great. Do it in a way where you don't pick up four fouls in one half. <laughs> exactly. Or bump people. You're guarding a guy 94 feet who doesn't have a knockdown shot. And even at halftime, I noticed Kenny the Jet Smith, he ran to the board. He's like, Russ, you don't have to be on an island with this guy. You can help out on defense because this guy's not going to be a knockdown shooter. If he hits one or two, it's okay. You know what I mean? But Russ had it in his head. It's like, okay, this guy's not going to get more than six points today. And Which that- it, it, it doesn't work like that. And it just seems like it was a type of mentality like, okay, even if we lose and Rubio doesn't play well, like I did my job. It's not about that. Yeah. Man. It's not about that. That's not what we're looking at. 
we're not we're not picking up we're not looking at the game like what did Rubio what were Rubio stats were like the Jazz blew you guys out. That's all that matters. It doesn't yeah. matter if Rubio had ten points or zero points. Like they blew you out and it was that mentality of it's just selfishness, man. I mean you have ten assists in a game. Your team is not moving the ball. How do you expect to win? Just going one on one for four quarters, like I understand you guys have great individual players. Again, you guys don't have Kobe, you don't have Durant, you don't have James. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to yeah. play together. You have good players in your team. You saw him do the same thing to Old Depot last year. Look what Old Depot is doing this year. He could have used Old Depot more, but chose not to. He chose. You know, it, it's it's. I mean, it's a reoccurring story with this guy, and it's becoming more of a distraction and instead of helping his team win games. And it's it's again, it is kind of ridiculous. But you can't always. On, on another note, like you can't always point the finger at Russell Westbrook. Um, Paul George was letting Joe Ingles just give it to him, um, not playing true defense on him. Uh, letting him talk smack to him and R- Paul George getting back. And this is the type of thing. This is what Jazz want to mm-hmm. do. They know the Thunder. They can get under the Thunder skin easily because of the personalities on that Exactly. Team. You know, Melo trying to break up fights. You got Russell Westbrook, who's a hothead sometimes. And then Paul George and Ingles have been going at it since game one. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not just about Russell Westbrook's fault or Russ, Russell, Russell Westbrook having a bad game. It also could be Paul George's fault. I mean, if you look at it, and he had a pretty decent game. But still, it just the little the little chatterness, the the push off pee, like that that kind of stuff, which is a pretty funny chat. Yeah. But still, um, and I feel like the sad part is about all this. We're not talking about how well the Jazz are playing. We're talking about how exactly. OKC is losing this series. The Jazz are playing phenomenal basketball from tip off to the end of the game. And I know game one um, they lost, but they still played very tough. And this is the type of team they are. Donovan Mitchell has just shown out. He, in my mind, again, I still take him at Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ricky Rubio, man, he found new life. Jay Crowder's found new life. Rudy Gobert's playing good D. This team is, this team, man, this team's for real. It's, it's... This team's gonna give. If, if they advance, this team's gonna give. Uh, I believe they're playing the Warriors next. Rock, no Rockets. They play the War- oh, they play the Rockets. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna give them a tough time. They well, will. Either one of those teams, regardless, they're gonna give them a tough time. Yeah, and this is just, I mean, you have to give credit to Quinn Snyder. He's doing it with a bunch of guys that, again, a lot of teams didn't find value in. A bunch of undrafted guys. You have guys like Royce O'Neal who was undrafted. Oh, that guy balled out. He balled yeah. out, and they're finding value in these type of guys. And it's it's just coming down to a bunch of high IQ basketball players that execute their coach's game plan against a very talented team individually that seems like they don't execute anything their coach tries to implement on the game. And they're all about one-on-one. And it's showing what's really happening. You you can have talent, but you don't need talent all the time to win. If you play as a team, if you use eight, nine guys that are on the same page at all times for four quarters, you're going to beat a team that has two or three phenomenal basketball players. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. credit to the Jazz. Like, again, you said we weren't talking about really how well the Jazz were playing, and they're the reason why the Thunder are playing so bad. Defensively, they've been amazing, and they've kept their cool through all these scuffles. They're using it as motivation while the Thunder are letting it get under their skin and, and it's forcing them to play stupid basketball, really. It's just really exactly. stupid basketball. Like, I don't even know how to yeah. put it. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like – I just don't like the way the Thunder are playing. No. Like, and I know you hear experts like, okay, they'll, they, they'll probably get past the first time. you got a guy like – I know Skip Bayless is pretty ridiculous, but he even said the Thunder were going to get to the finals. I couldn't see that. No. So, um, yeah, I mean, moving on from, you know, the OKC and the Jazz series, uh, LeBron versus Lance. <laughs> I love it. Who love doesn't it. love that? I love this matchup more than any – I individually, I love this matchup more than any matchup in the playoffs. I love it so much. Not that because it's a scoring duel. It's just mind games. You have like – like I feel like Lance Stevenson is jigsaw. Like he's like – like you want to play a game? Like this is how he is, dude. Like And LeBron is – you know, he's handling himself pretty well. He's al- He always and, has though with Lance. And, and But the thing is you can tell Lance kind of got to him when he did the push-off. Um, in the technical and that jump ball that Lance won really kind of like bothered him, but Le- LeBron's keep kept his cool. No, he had. I mean, Lance is that little brother that doesn't stop annoying you, ever, right? He's yeah. oh, he's he's le- <laughs> he's legit. Him. Like LeBron's little brother that won't stop annoying him, and the, and LeBron's always been able to keep his cool with everybody, especially Lance. Um, but now yeah. the reason you see kind of LeBron getting a little agitated is because the series is close now. When they were with the Heat, yeah. they were having tough battles, but I felt like they knew they would come out on top. You know what I mean? But now, oh, that, yeah. now that it's up in the air and Lance is – you're starting to see LeBron kind of get a little agitated with his 
with his actions, with him getting in LeBron's face for you know full court for no reason, and so I mean it's it's so it's, he's so entertaining to watch, dude. Lance really Lance is. is is freaking pure entertainment. He's must watch TV. I don't care if he doesn't score a point, he's must watch TV every time he plays. Yeah. And and I love the he plays with heart and I appreciate that. You know how he is. He's like that. He's like he's a he's a New York like uh, they say the pride of Coney Island like street hooper. But like he's flashy. He gets exactly. the crowd going. He gets, he's a guy you kind of want on your team. You do. I'm not saying he's gonna go out there and score 25, but if he gets you you know 13 and six with like five assists and a momentum shifting play, he's he's really effective. Um, but you know again. Credit the credit the Cavs for coming out on top of that game. That was a that was a big that was a big win. That, Kyle Korver really stepped it up. Um, I know Kevin Love went missing, and at this course. point, I even said Kyle Korver and Kevin Love had the same value. Um, <laughs> but you know, I credit the Cavs. LeBron had a good game. Uh, they played well, um, and I feel like Victor Oladipo kind of shot him out of the game. Did you notice that or no? Yeah, that just- no, he's had he's actually had a couple of bad games in a row, shooting wise. Um, yeah. That's something I did notice, and if that continues, they have no chance of winning. But I mean, Kyle Korver was huge, right? He was a difference maker. Yep. And honestly, it was about time somebody stepped up and made some shots for LeBron because LeBron's putting up his numbers. I think he had 32, 13, and nine on like 60% shooting. He just needs <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, and, and your second best player is has five points on two of 10 shooting, Kevin Love. He's nowhere to be found this series. He's getting outplayed by DeMontis Sabonis, right? Yeah. What, LeBron can't do anything with that. So, I mean, Credit to Kyle Culver. He came up clutch. He's always been there for LeBron. He's always been his outlet guy. They, he looks to him late-game situations because he know he'll knock down his shots, and he'll take them. He's not scared. Kevin Love just mm-hmm. – I don't even know what's happened to the guy. I really don't. He's nowhere yeah. to be found. I mean, I heard it's thumb. I heard it's like his thumb and his injury with that, which, you know, that could that obviously would affect your shooting. Hand. Of course. You can't really grip the ball or shoot the ball or get it in the right – catch it in the right way you want to. But still, I mean, he has to change up. He can't just be spotting up in the corners. If you're going to get inside, I know your thumb is bothering you. Try to draw a foul. Try to get up. Um, you know, find teammates. Kevin Love's a really good passer. He is. Find teammates. He is. I'm just saying he's not doing the things he he should be doing. Maybe it is because of thumb, but maybe it's also something mental. Yeah, you never know. It's been weird with Kevin Love. I feel like he's never really been comfortable with this Cavs roster, right? Absolutely. Even when they had Kyrie, like, he was playing well, but he's never been himself. Like, he's always been kind of off, and we had that whole situation of, like, stop trying to fit out and fit. You remember that, all that Twitter stuff? Yeah. And like, it just feels uh-huh. like he's never really been comfortable with this team. And, and LeBron needs him this series. He really needs him because you don't, you can't expect Kyle Korver to be your second leading scorer. Right now, Kyle Korver has been their second best player. He's a 37 year old guy that can just shoot the ball. Kevin Love mm-hmm. needs to go back to being that 20 and 10 guy. If the Cavs have a chance of winning the series, really, I mean, this, this series is up in the air, honestly, like yeah, the way it's going. So, and- and again, we're we're kind of looking at the Pacers, same we're looking at the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Like we're 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 talking so much about how the Cavs perform, and not as much as the individual players on ED. Like they're doing a great job. Miles Turner, honestly, he's looking so good. Miles Turner is a really good young. Oh piece. yeah, I've had high Bo- hopes. Boyan, uh, Bohan Boyan Bogdanovich has been shooting the lights out this series. He's been a big difference maker for Indiana. Sabonis has been making plays. He's a good young piece. This team is good, and they're kind of like a Utah Jazz team. They're gritty. They're going to make you grind. They're going to make you play every possession like it's your last. So this, I wouldn't be surprised if this series does go to seven. We Two. should credit uh, the Pacers more of how they're playing. Yeah, no, the Pacers are playing awesome. I mean, p- besides LeBron, the entire Pacers roster is outplaying the Cavs roster at this point. Yeah, Collison is outplaying George Hill or whoever their point guard is, Calderon. They keep switching lineups. Mm-hmm. Jeff Green hasn't been doing anything. Thaddeus Young has been playing solid. Sabonis and Turner are outplaying Kevin Love. Lance is coming in, pitching in. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And Bogdanovich has been playing awesome too. So mm-hmm. the only reason the Cavs are in this series is because of LeBron and LeBron only. And yeah. he, it's going to have to take more of these type of games, 30-point triple-doubles damn near for the Cavs to win. I do see the Cavs winning, yeah. um, but it could easily go seven. Very, yeah. very easily go seven. And you never know what happens in game seven. So Exactly. Um, so, moving on, uh, the rise – of New Orleans. Jesus. They've arrived um, just dismantling the Blazers. That game four, 47 points for Anthony Davis, 41 from none other than Drew Holiday. The guy everyone thought it was washed up came through, man. The whole series just looked like it was the Pelicans' way from game one all the way to game four of the sweep. Um, what What do you think was more of the issue, though? Was it just the Pelicans were that hot and they were playing well? 
or is it just like the the flattening of uh, CJ and Dame for the Blazers? So, I think it's both. You know what I mean? I think it's just a really bad matchup for the Blazers. And when I was rethinking it, because like I thought this series was going to go six or seven, mm-hmm. there was a thing where like every single ESPN expert picked the Blazers to win the series. But then I asked myself, I'm like, okay, let's go back from the beginning of the series. Obviously, we can't do that. Yeah. But you look at the series and you ask yourself, who's the best player going into the series? Anthony Davis, by far. Okay. Who's the best two-way player going into the series? Probably either, honestly, because it's not one of the the Blazers guys. None it of would them. Probably be Rondo or Holiday. Holiday or Davis, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, well Davis too. But I thought you meant like guard wise. But yeah, two way. No, yeah. no, I meant like two way offense defense. Right? It's either oh, yeah, Davis yeah, yeah, for sure, or yeah, it's either Davis. Drew Holiday. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then you and then you ask yourself, okay, who who has championship experience? Who has a smart point guard? It's Rondo. So it's like when you go back and look at it that way, it's like we shouldn't be this surprised. We sh- it's surprising that it was a 4-0 sweep and the way they did it. I mean, it wasn't even close. Drew Holiday annihilated both CJ and Damian Lillard. Which was crazy. To me. Which was crazy. Anthony Davis, they have absolutely no, no matchup for. And Rondo's <laughs> been playoff Rondo. So, yeah. They- and uh, what about Miritich? <laughs> oh, yeah. Clean shave Miritich, man. Clean shave Miritich. He's been the third best player in the series. He's been the third best player in the series, which is crazy. I Portis knocked some sense into him because he's been playing out of his mind since that since that altercation happened. He was playing a while on the Bulls and awesome move by the Pelicans to give up that first round pick for Miritich because he's been a huge, huge help for them yeah. um, this year. So, and I, I man. just feel like I just feel like the Blazers didn't have enough going for them. If you look no. at their roster, they have a really like weird interesting roster in a bad way they have all terrible contracts i just looked at it the other day like their 2016 offseason led them to like one of the worst offseasons because these con- these bloated contracts they have um and then what is their depth do they have any pat Connaughton and ed uh, davis yeah i mean right? I, would, I would much <laughs> rather have you know like a guy like like, like even etuan moore who does a great job uh, of his role, and he he fills that in. He he provides some shooting, some spark, and some create like some cr- uh, creating playmaking. The Blazers have nothing besides Dame and CJ. Nurkic was uh, useless. Was <laughs> yeah, he was, was like useless. he was literally hiding. Like I couldn't, I, I didn't even know if he was on the court or not, which was that's terrible. When because he's a guy that when when they traded him to the Blazers, I'm like, dude, this guy may be a difference maker. You know what I mean? Like this guy has like the same style as Jokic. Maybe not as good, but still same style, and he just didn't doesn't produce. I mean, when they he got when they got, when they got um, Nurkic last year, they after the All Star break, the Blazers were awesome going into the playoffs, yeah. and he got hurt and didn't play in the first round against the Warriors. They ended up getting swept, but everyone's like, okay, coming into this season, like now Nurkic is healthy, this team could be scary. And the regular season, they were, yeah, they, they were, were. I mean, they were a three seed. They're the three seed. But going into the playoffs, man, it, it, it was just a bad matchup. You have no answer for Davis. Drew Holiday was playing out of his mind. Miritich was spreading him out, knocking down threes left and right. Um, Rondo was playoff Rondo. He put together an epic vintage <laughs> performance like he was doing on the Celtics. And, oh, goodness. And the Blazers, when McCollum and Lillard aren't absolutely on fire, like combining for like 60 or 70 points, who's going to score? You have a bunch of guys that are – could do a little bit of everything, but aren't good enough. Like Aminu, Harkless, Evan Turner. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these guys aren't – you can't rely on these guys in the playoffs because your two stars aren't going to be phenomenal every game. It's the playoffs, right? Teams mm-hmm. lock into your stars. So it's the other players, and that's what happened with the Pelicans. They tried locking in on Davis, which didn't happen, but they tried. <laughs> but Drew Holiday stepped up his game. Miritich stepped up his game. Etwan Moore played awesome. Darius Miller came in off the bench knocking down threes. Ian Clark – was yeah, great. Ian you know Clark, what I mean? So that's a that's a big piece too. There, the Pelicans, others, their other role players were playing extremely well, and the Blazers, other role players, didn't do anything well. So it was just a total yeah. collapse by the Blazers. I don't know what they're going to do next season. I don't know if they should, if they're freaking out right now. If they should freak out and potentially break up that backcourt, who knows? But yeah, this but was a butt whooping. <laughs> it really was. It was a absolute absolute domination by the Pelicans. I originally had the Pelicans in six. Just because I think Anthony Davis is ultimately the best player in the series, uh, kind of has far. that LeBron effect. He probably he has that LeBron effect to him. Um, but four games, wow! Like, yeah. I, I, it's funny. I saw many tweets, including myself, tweeting this out. It's like Damian Lillard went from MVP candidate 
to is this guy overrated in literally a week? In a week, yeah. And that's, and, that's the craziest and, thing. Like in a and week, the Blazers, from yeah. top notch to like, what are what are you doing? And the Blazers went from a three seed to do we need to break up this backcourt of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum? I know. Crazy. So they're going to have a lot of questions to answer in their front office this summer. Their contracts that they gave out, I mean, Myers Leonard was horrible. Aminu was horrible. Harkless was horrible. Evan Turner has like a $70 million contract. That was horrible. Yeah. Nurkic is a free agent. So they have a lot of thinking to do and a lot of decision-making to do this offseason. But, yeah, yeah man, credit to the Pelicans. It, they're going to oh, make absolutely. it interesting because if Curry's not there next round, oh. <laughs> they, if Curry's not there next round, this series is going to be really, really good. And I I'm, know people I'm, are probably like, oh, well, you're just saying that because you're – no, I'm not saying that because I'm a Warriors fan. I'm saying that because the Pelicans are really freaking good right now. And the Warriors without Curry are very beatable. And we saw that all year. And we've seen that the past two years when Curry's not there. They aren't that that superb team where it's like you have no chance. Like without Curry, that offense is not that offense. They become a really good defensive team, but offensively, the Pelicans can match them now, it, and you have and and you have those matchups of who's going to stop AD, Drew Holiday, lock down Lillard and McCollum. I'm sure he's not going to have a hard time locking down Clay. So you take Clay out of the game, you only have Durant to score. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting. We'll talk it's about that. Be you know, super when, interesting. <laughs> when yeah. that when that it's round be starts. So but and um, I, I in my go ahead. In my, but but real quick, my my heart says. Or yeah, actually, my brain is like, dude, just pick the word. But my heart is honestly going for New Orleans. I just feel like they're playing such team, like hot basketball. That's like until like Rondo. If you look at it, Rondo's a better point guard than anybody not named Steph Curry on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Holiday, like like you said, he could shut down Clay Thompson. He could take him out of the game. Uh, I could go vice versa, though. Clay Thompson could outscore him. But of you course, know, it but it's not going to be Anthony, like it's not going to be a domination either way. Like they can cancel each other. It's out. not. It's not. And and that's the thing, Draymond Green's interesting, but if Murad, if Miritich spreads him out all game, that's going to be easy for uh, Anthony Davis to get inside, and they yeah. have no answer for Anthony Davis. None. This guy Zero. is literally showing what he potentially is the second best player in the league. Yeah, uh, and I've so, said that I've said that many many I, times. I think so hard's going New Orleans, man, for that series. I don't know. We'll see. I can't make a decision yet, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into this new segment that we want to introduce, Hot or Not. Yeah. Playoff edition. Yep. So let's start off with Hot. What do you have as who's uh, hot, maybe teams, certain players that really aren't on the radar right now? So I have for Hot, I have some, some obvious ones. Um, I got, you know, John Wall, who's been absolutely tearing it up. Mm-hmm. I have uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton. And then, Chris Middleton, just to jump off that real quick before you keep going, um, 25 points per game, 61% from the field, and 62% from three. Wow. Yeah, he's, <laughs> wow. Been, he's been playing unbelievable basketball. I had him on my list too, but go ahead. Um, no, no, no worries. Who has been ripping it all series. Um, and then I got um, – and then if I'm looking – oh, I have – uh, of course, Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, and of course, Ray John Rondo. Yeah. So mine's is. So those are some obvious ones for hot. I mean, some low key players that pay attention to Boyan Bogdanovich. That's a guy who's been stroking it all series long as well. Yeah. No, he's he's been playing awesome. My hot is very similar to yours. I had the entire Pelicans four of Rondo, yeah. Holiday, Miritich, and Davis. Oh, that's another guy, Miritich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had their four. Uh, Sixers just won, by the way. But I had their four. Okay. They've been. All four of them have been phenomenal all series. Chris Middleton was another guy I had. He's been shooting the ball lights out. Um, today he had like 23 points. Didn't shoot that well from the field, 42%. Um, but he was 50% from three. So he's continuing to be awesome offensively for them. And then I had Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Um, Mitch- yeah, I would, I would go with – oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was saying in a series where you have Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and Carmelo, Donovan Mitchell has been the best player in that series, and it hasn't been close. And it's crazy because he's a rookie. Um, so he's been playing out of his freaking mind. And then Rubio, just the way he's been handling all this one on, you know, this Russell Westbrook controversy, and just the way he's mm-hmm. handled himself and composed himself all series, the way he's running that team, he deserves credit because a lot of people were counting him out after his departure from Minnesota. They didn't know if he could play. 
and be a starter because he can't shoot and he's showing that he could be a, a legitimate starter and, and he's got his team one game away from moving on to the second round. So that's what I had on, under my, my hot list. I actually had a couple other people I wanted to mention. Um, I would say Don Mitchell, but it's kind of like a more – to me, I know Donovan's putting up those numbers, but it's kind of more of a team effort yeah. with, with uh, Joe Ingles, uh, Rubio, Gobert. Um, but a guy like Derrick Rose, even though the team's down, he's looking really promising. Derrick Rose has been killing it all series. Um, and then uh, – what's this? Uh, the guy um, – I had it right here. <laughs> Once I'm scrolling. Sorry, I wrote so many things. Down. I know. It's all good, uh, man. But, but, oh, I got it right here. Sorry, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> ben Simmons. I mean, yeah, Derrick Rose, honestly, I'm so happy that he's actually showing that he's still a valuable player, right? Even though the Timberwolves mm-hmm. are on the brink of getting eliminated, like he's showing that he can still be a contributing really good bench player for, for any team, really. He's showing his explosiveness, his quickness. He's attacking the rim like he's always been. Um, so, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm so happy to see him play well in, yeah, the, in a too. series where the Timberwolves are just getting absolutely – dismantled right now um and then ben simmons i mean ben simmons is is phenomenal he's historic he's a hist- having a historical rookie season it's continued in the playoffs they just moved on to the second round mm-hmm. the f- future for that kid is is, is ridiculous I, mm-hmm. yeah he's like i'm i don't want to compare him to magic johnson i was gonna be like you're crazy but he's pretty much a modern day magic with the mm-hmm. way he plays basketball six ten point guard runs up and down the floor sees the floor as good as anyone in the entire NBA, um, and for for a kid that young to be this composed in a, in a series against a Miami team that's feisty, that 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 wants to get under your skin, the Sixers in general for a young team handle themselves extremely well. So awesome mm-hmm. showing by all of them. Yeah. So let's. So that's hot list. What about the not so hot list? The cold, like the the not list, the cold list. Cold list. My number one right now is Westbrook and Mello, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty obvious, right? The Thunder are collapsing. Westbrook and Mello are probably the two main reasons. But Westbrook being the leader, he's going to have to take all the blame. He's shooting 36% from the field. He's shooting 21% mm-hmm. from three. I mean, abysmal shooting numbers. Mello, on the other hand, 37% from the field and 23% from three. There is no explanation for that. <laughs> they're they're mm-hmm. extremely cold. They're on my not list. Yeah. So for my not list, I have um, some guy who's kind of reoccurring, Kyle Lowry. It's not he. He's just been letting John Wall abuse in the past two games. He's not. He he hasn't been contributing, and it's 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 kind of sad because like the first two games of that series, two you're like, all right, my, maybe Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. steps up. He just hasn't been there. Um, Kevin Love. Oh yeah. Obviously has been on the has been on the not list, and it's not just Westbrook and 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 Carmelo. To me, it could be somewhat Paul George too. Just because of his antics and how he's acting and reacting that is to true. every single thing that Joe Ingles is doing. That is true. It's not you versus Joe Ingles. It's the same thing with you versus Rubio. It's not the same. Yeah, you know I mean, so mm-hmm. uh, Westbrook and Rubio. Um, and honestly, uh, the Miami Heat, when it came to Hassan Whiteside, oh, I had him on my where, list. Where are you, man? That's a guy that, like, a couple years ago, I'm like, I kind of want him on my team to, as a free agent center. Now I realize I, that's why I wouldn't want him on my team. Yeah, I mean, before today, I don't know what he had today, but he was averaging six points and six rebounds, which is terrible. You're a starting center. He couldn't even mm-hmm. stay on the floor. Eric Spolstra wouldn't even like keeping him on the floor. He was bringing in Olenek really early in the games and keeping Olenek. Whiteside is just was non-existent. I had him on my list. And then another guy – um, we talked about this series earlier, Damian Lillard. I mean, he was just yep. went from MVP to is he overrated? He averaged yep. 18 points, four rebounds, five assists for the series. He shot off like 35% shooting, 35% right? shooting, and 30% from three. Oh, my yeah. Goodness. He, I mean, it, it was just a bad look for him after having an MVP type regular season to go into the playoffs and do that yeah. and have a performance like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's just wasn't a good look for him. It, 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 it really is, too. I, I would say the whole Blazers team, to be honest, they yeah. did not show up. When you get swept, it's not one player. It's the whole team. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. those are our, so, our hot, and that's our hot or not list right there. Um, another segment we're going to do is love it or hate it. So, I'm going to throw out some scenarios for you, and I want you to tell me if you love it or hate the idea of it. Okay? Okay. Breaking mm-hmm. up the Blazers' backcourt, trading away CJ McCollum, love it or hate it. I 
uh, as much as entertaining as they are, I say I, I'd love it. I would make a trade. Uh, you got to take away one person because they play too similar. Uh, yeah, too much of a, a similar, good point. similar game. Um, because they're not really both playmakers at all. They're more ISO scores or pick or off the screen or off the dribble, catch and shoot. Uh, they, they can both light it up, but you got to trade away one of them. And I'm pretty sure the Blazers are going to keep Dame as their prized possession mm-hmm. and trade away CJ. Um, maybe to a team like the Knicks. There's been actually a few articles of, from for some trade scenarios for CJ McCollum. Sad after a few games after a playoff. Right, four games. Cool yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, no, you made a great point. They are very similar. If you look at the elite backcourts in the league, they're up there. But you look at the t- the other backcourts, like say Curry and Clay, different type of players, right? They're both phenomenal shooters, but Clay's a more two way three and D type guy, and Curry's just an offensive maniac, right? Like Lillard is himself yeah. too. Um, so even with John Wall and Bradley Beal, two different type of players in the backcourt. John Wall's more mm-hmm. attacking the rim, playing in the pick and roll. Beal's a catch and shoot type mm-hmm. of guy. Lillard and McCollum are very similar. I don't think they can work because neither of them play defense. So you have to get rid of uh, one of them. I love the idea of getting rid of uh, CJ McCollum and potentially getting – I mean, I don't know what you would look because it depends on what they do with Nurkic, if they sign him or not. Um, If they do decide to sign Nurkic and he's their center, then maybe try to trade McCollum and and get a a couple – even if you don't get a star, um, get a couple of guys that can fill in the wing positions, that can shoot threes – very guys similar to like Trevor Ariza, Robert Covington, those type of guys will ex- help them out a lot because they, they don't have that right now. So I love the idea of, of breaking up that backcourt. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see because I think it's a very, very high possibility that that happens. Okay. What about this? Ready? Mm-hmm. Love it or hate it, the Wizards breaking up their backcourt, even though it's a 2 2 series. Okay. I think if they lose, they need to – they need to uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? They need to think about it, okay? They need to think about it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's clear for the last couple of seasons, it seems like Bradley Beal and John Wall don't have a great relationship. But they're so weird because when they play well together and they win games, it's like they're best friends. But then when they're losing, they absolutely hate each other. Bradley Beal doesn't look at yeah. him. Bradley Beal doesn't shake his hand. Nothing. There, You saw that picture when they were – on the bench, and Gortat and Wall were arguing. Beal had his towel over his head. So there is definitely yeah. chemistry issues with them. But, like, who do you trade? Because when John Wall went down, the, the Wizards were playing very well. They were moving the ball better. Everyone was touching the ball. And it looked like they were all having fun, right? But mm-hmm. John Wall's arguably yeah. your best player. So you have to decide, do you break up John Do you trade John Wall for potentially a big? Yeah. And, and try to get maybe, you never know, a signing trade for DeMarcus Cousins? That's a thought out there, and give the Pelicans John Wall, and then you guys get Cousins and keep Beal. This is if it has a if it's not going to work now. If they lose, I think you 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 trade one of them. You have to do yeah. something different. It's not working, right? As phenomenal as they are together, it's not working. You got to make a move. You can't sit in the same position. So I love it. If they lose, I love it. If they if they beat the Raptors in the first round, I hate it. Keep them. Yeah, I mean it is kind of like a, a subjective thing, but. You know, I hate it. Honestly, I think John Wall and Bradley Beal are an amazing backcourt. Top three, arguably, in the league as yeah. a backcourt. Yeah, Stephen Clay. And then from there on, it goes, like, who's next? Mm-hmm. Um, but they they work together so dynamic. They're different from CJ and Dame because they're different types of players. Like you were saying, John Wall's more of the true point guard. Yeah. Bradley Beal's more of the true two. So he can do different things. They can do different things. And they both do play defense. So it's they're both, you know, good defenders. They are. I say you have it's not that you have to break them up. You have to have another piece. It has to be like a big three. They don't have a true third. I like Martian Gortop, but he's a great role player. I like Kelly Oubre, but he's he's too raw in his skill, and he's not developed yet. But I think Porter um, is a very, very good complementary piece for those two guys he because is, he's he a knockdown three-point shooter. He plays defense. He's big. He can guard. I think he's a perfect piece next to them. I think, honestly, when I think about it again, like I think you could keep them because they're both so extremely talented. You have Porter, who's a great three in today's NBA. You just need to kind mm-hmm. of figure out – John Wall needs to figure out his game. He still has quite to, a little to improve on as far as being able to play in a team and not have to have the ball in his hands the entire game and him either get the assist or get the bucket. Very similar to Russell Westbrook. If he figures that out, how to be effective off the ball, maybe setting off-ball screens more, cutting backdoor. He's a freak athlete, so I'm sure he can get easy layups doing that. 
they'll be fine. Um, they need to obviously Gortat. He's getting old. He said it might be his last year playing. Get a little younger down there. Markeith is a nice nice role player for them. Ubre is developing. He's a nice role player. So I don't think I think with the Blazers, over like I don't think it's overreacting to say trade one of them because like we said they're very similar players. It's not going to work out because none of them play defense. With the Wizards, I don't think you overreact even if they lose the series. Um, I because I think you can build with this core that they have of Wall, Beal, and Porter at the three as their young three pieces, mm-hmm. and then put put role players around them, guys that don't need the ball and guys that can contribute defensively, knock down threes, um, and and get. You know, maybe a deeper bench. Look to fill out your bench a little more, and I think they'll and, be they'll be right back in in the mix of things in the Eastern Conference next year. And that's the thing. I feel like if that is all great, like I, honestly, I do believe in like if you have a deep bench, you could win like that. But you were saying Gortat isn't getting any younger. Mm-hmm. They need something. They need big. They have to somehow make a trade and get a, a really promising big or get another score and keep those two. If they can make that happen, I know it seems tough. Um, and if they have, they have to, cl- if they have to cut pieces to clear cap, it's a big free agent market this summer. Mm-hmm. They got to make a splash. The Wizards had too much of a similar roster the past four seasons. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just like, if you want to get to the second round, great. We have the pieces for that. But who wants to stop there? Does anybody ever want to say, Hey, we made it to the second round. It was successful. No, if you're a playoff team every year, you want to get to the conference finals and the finals and potentially win a championship. Not saying that they can do it with this roster. But they can definitely, if they added some pieces to it, this roster is talented enough to get to a conference final. 100%. In the East especially, they are. So, um, go ahead. Next, next, love it or hate it. Next, love it or hate it. 16-seed playoff format. So, eliminate conferences once playoffs start and go to a 1-16 through 16 based off records and have the playoff matchups based off that. Love it or hate it. You know what? You know what? This kind of is, is very interesting. Can you imagine if the Timberwolves faced – you know, well, you know, who would be? It would be like the best, the best sixteen records, right? Best sixteen records, Obviously. yeah. So if, if it's twelve of them from the West, then it's twelve from the West. So then it'd be the eight seat. Wow. So it would, oh wow, that's interesting. Wow. Now that kind of changes. It's kind of unbalanced. I feel like because I thought it would just be like the eight in the East and the eight from the West, and then reformat and those and make them one through sixteen. That's what I like. That's what I'd be thinking because if that was the case, that'd probably make sense. But if it's the best twelve records. It'd pretty much be the Western Conference versus nobody. <laughs> well, actually, the East had a good year. East year, had a yeah. East had a good year. It was pretty it. even I, I this year. Hate it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I would say hate it. You know what I mean? Like these playoffs have been too good. That Honestly, they really have been. I, I can't I can't bite with that. Maybe if it was like the past couple seasons when the West was so much of a powerhouse, mm-hmm. and you have records in the East that don't look like they could be playoff records. Yeah, but this year it's been really good, and for years to come, I think it's gonna be really good. I agree. This playoffs has been one of the better first round playoffs we've seen in a while. But I love this idea, right? The only oh, issue, oh. yeah, I love this idea. The only issue is, is traveling issues, right? So yeah. th- what I was thinking is, you do the you do a sixteen seed format where, either do it how you said, where you take eight from each conference and then reseed them based off records, or take the best sixteen teams in the NBA based off record and 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 seed them that way. But then maybe yeah. you. You do your East playoffs, you do your West playoffs, and when it gets to the conference finals of each one, when there's four teams left, reseed those so that you don't have the best two teams if they're in the West playing each other and one of them getting eliminated. You get what I'm saying? Oh, wow. So if, yeah, yeah, so mix it up at the end. So, so, you do, so when it gets down to four teams, say it's the Rockets, the Warriors, um, the Raptors, and the Cavs, for example, you would do the Rockets would face the Cavs, and then the Warriors would face the Raptors, and okay. that way you would have – most of the times, the two best teams in the entire NBA playing each other and not having to beat each other up in the Western Conference Finals like the Rockets and Warriors might eventually have to do. You know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. I like that idea of keeping the format the way it is, 8-8, eight and eight, East-West. But then when it gets down to the last four teams, because they give them breaks in between traveling, traveling won't be an issue. Reseed them, reseed the top four, and do it that way so that we get to see the two best teams every year in the championship. That would be crazy. That's kind of like the college football pro, uh, format. Where yeah. Top four seeds go at it. Mm-hmm. So you have the best matchup possible. Um, but honestly, I, I feel like, like I said, with this year, I'd keep it as traditional as possible. And it's kind of, it's really good. It's been really scrappy. And I love it. Like in the East, you have Miami and Miami and Philadelphia battling. Literally, blood was drawn. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? 
Uh, and then in the West, you have Utah and OKC potentially becoming a new rivalry because of how they've been arguing with each other. It's just it, I love these kind of playoffs. It creates new rivals. It creates battles within conferences. You got to keep it kind of traditional when it comes to this year's playoffs. Now, the past couple of years, yeah, I would say, you know, take the best 16 and let them go at it because there were some teams who got snubbed out of the playoffs, mm-hmm. some teams who could have battled a little better than others. So, yeah, you could have done that. But I'd keep it traditional from here on out. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree. I don't think it'll ever happen. But it would just be cool to see, you know, two teams that in the playoffs, like say the, the Cavs would face the, the Rockets. They've only played each other twice. They're not really familiar with each other. It would be awesome to watch how teams would adjust to those type mm-hmm. of matchups, right? Because they don't play mm-hmm. each other all year. The Rockets and the Warriors are very familiar with each other. They play each other in, um, in the Western Conference like, what, four times. So it would, yeah. be, it would just be cool to see a playoff, you know, maybe again, like do the last four seeds remaining, two from each, and then reseed them that way. And then that way you can potentially see every year the two best teams in the championship, no matter what, and not one of them getting eliminated, you know, like the Warriors eliminating the Rockets or vice versa. And then the Rockets going and just beating the crap out of an East team. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, I love it. And, and then, so for our last one for uh, love it or hate it, if you're the Pelicans, do you let DeMarcus Cousins walk? I don't let him walk. I hate it. So I don't think that they should keep both of them. Okay? Okay. But letting him walk, I hate it. I think you sign and trade him. Okay. So a lot of teams supposedly have been saying that they're not going to give DeMarcus the max because of this Achilles injury. They don't know how he's going to come back from it. So if the Pelicans can – sign him and look for a trade I think that would benefit them the most I think with them two together they're both such a focal point of the offense that it's not going to work out right they don't have enough space to work mm-hmm. like right now Davis has so much space to work because they have shooters around him the the floor is open and look what he's doing and obviously you're going to keep Davis right he's the better player mm-hmm. but if you can mm-hmm. sign and trade the Marcus Cousins and potentially get another wing right to to maybe move Etuan more to the bench get some more bench depth and get another a 3 and D wing, like, uh, who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, teams will bite on DeMarcus Cousins on a sign-and-trade. They'll give up good role players to get a star. Like, mm-hmm. I think that would benefit mm-hmm. the Pelicans the most. So, I hate letting him walk, but I love the idea of signing and trading him this offseason. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point, signing and trading, because if you could sign and trade, you can make potentially be like, okay, uh, Spurs, uh, is Kawhi Leonard available? Like, you could do that. But, um Honestly, I at this point I love it. This is a new NBA, and you can't have two bigs like this. It's not that they're both that one of them's bad or one of them's bad for each other. They can both coexist and play with each other. But the way the Pelicans are winning, mm-hmm. it's by spreading and letting Anthony Davis go to work and letting him become the monster that he is. Demarcus Cousins is is literally a coin flip between him and Anthony Davis's best center. They're on the same team. Exactly. So it's kind of hard to you know. Let's dump it down the post for DeMarcus for three possessions in a row and let Anthony Davis watch. Yeah, you it's like who's, it's like it, your turn, my turn. It's like, all right, let me get yeah, the ball. I'm going to kill my work. guy. And then... it does, it, exactly. That doesn't work. And if you look at OKC, it didn't work with Westbrook and Durant. So that's why I say love it, let him walk. I'm, and then if in the offseason, with the money you get, you can make a sign and get another potential, like a, like a more of a versatile big who could play outside in. Um, or just add on to wings because that's what the NBA is. I mean, if you have an athletic wing who could play defense, knock down shots, and potentially be a 20-point scorer, you're going to be good. Yeah, I mean, and you look at teams that have the assets. Like, you look at the Celtics, for example. They have a bunch of picks. They have young players. They might, you know, they might bite on DeMarcus Cousins. If you can grab even just a Jalen Brown, Mm -hmm. right? If you can grab Mm -hmm. a Jalen Brown and a pick from them for DeMarcus, why not? Instead of letting him walk for free, sign him, give him to the Celtics. Right, the Celtics would have a, a monster starting lineup. They'll have Kyrie, they'll have Horford, they'll have Cousins, they'll have Gordon Hayward. They'll still keep Tatum. But if the Pelicans can get a young wing like that that could develop with Anthony Davis, like yeah. Jalen Brown, an awesome two-way wing who's shown crazy improvement on his offensive game, that would be, yeah. that would be such a win for them um, instead of just letting DeMarcus walk. But I do but agree. Then... Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, let you finish. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I don't, like you said, like, I don't think they can coexist. They both, I mean, they were both putting up monster numbers, but you really saw Anthony Davis become the player that we all expect him to be when DeMarcus Cousins went down because he has so much room now to operate. With Cousins, there wasn't that much room. It was very, very similar to the, you know, the Westbrook Durant, like your turn, my turn. 
right? We're both mm-hmm. we can both score on our guys, but like, how do we do it in the flow of the offense where it's just not like yeah. give me the ball three straight times, I'm gonna score, and then next time if I miss, then it's your turn. You know, that's what I felt like yeah. they were doing. Um, yeah. So I say you I, you sign and trade him and try to get a young wing, maybe a pick out of it, and and build that team. Man, you want to do whatever you can to get assets to that team to keep Anthony Davis from leaving that team, right? Exactly. That, that's what and that's, that's what your thing, goal like, is. If you're gonna. And if you're going to do – okay, so, example, I'm saying letting him walk. I know it's a big risk. I know Boogie's awesome. But if you sign and trade, you're going to have to sign him for a max, and then hopefully someone takes that deal. There's always What's that risk. Like, okay. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying it, it's kind of like, are you seriously going to let this guy walk? And at this point, how the Pelicans are playing, if you surround these guys with more depth and another guy who can, like, take some pressure off Anthony Davis besides – you know, because Holiday, Holiday and Rondo aren't, like – I don't know how to explain it. They're not, you know, going to be explosive scores. They're timely scores, I feel like. So that's the thing. If you can surround them with a piece, like another, like a long wing who could take mm-hmm. some pressure off and play defense too, dude, this team could be awesome. Otto Porter, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? You like, never know. you know, you never you know. sign and trade. You give, you know, if Gortat leaves, you give, you know, reunite John Wall and, and Demarcus Cousins. You give them Demarcus Cousins. They'll have Wall, Beal, and Cousins. And then you can grab. A wing like Otto Porter, who will fit perfectly next to Drew Holiday, Rondo in the backcourt, and then Davis and Miritich. He fits perfect. He plays defense. He knocks down threes. I feel yeah. like a situation like that, I would be willing to sign DeMarcus Cousins because I feel like the Wizards would bite on that. I really do. I feel like they, they want to take the next step, and they want to do it with the team that they have. And I feel like reuniting DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall would intrigue them so much that they would be willing to give up Otto Porter, who has a pretty big contract. And I feel like if the Pelicans got a guy like Otto Porter, it would take them to the next level. They would be really freaking Absolutely. good with him. Their starting five would be awesome. I agree. I agree. But, like, again, I say, I just say let him walk. Oh, yeah. Okay. As bad as that sounds, mm-hmm. let him walk. I can't disagree. I mean, the way they're playing right now, it's, why do you need him? It's just going to create more confusion when he comes back. You're not going to know what to do with, like, do you bench Miritich and You know what I mean? So it's, it's yeah. just going to create too much confusion. So letting him walk would be the easiest route. Um, but I would, I would definitely try to sign and trade him and, and, and get myself a wing and potentially yeah. a pick to, to build more assets around Davis to make it intriguing for yeah. him to stay after his contract's up whenever that is in 2020 or 2021 or whatever. But yeah. And I'm just scared that if you do sign and trade, who wants a max deal with Boogie? That's the only thing. Like, I know some teams are like, all right, I'll do it. But, like, he really wanted to take that risk. So, Yeah, and he can well, always decline whatever the contract offer that he they give him, and he could just want to walk himself. So, yeah. We'll see what happens, man. It's, it's going to be an interesting offseason. As crazy as the playoffs is, I think the offseason is going to be even crazier. Um, oh, yeah, I can't wait. With, with all this, with Boogie, with the John Wall situation, with Bradley Beal McCollum, you have LeBron out there yeah. lurking. Um Capella's a free so agent. Be, you don't know what the Rockets yeah, are going to do. So it's going to be so interesting. I can't wait. But that's that's another that's another chapter for discussion that will be coming soon. Yeah, man. So to wrap it up, uh, once again, I'm going to post this on our Twitter. I'll post the anchor link if in case if you guys don't have Apple Podcast, it is going to be automatically uploaded to Apple Podcast, so you guys can always listen to it there. Um, review, subscribe, um, so you get notifications every time we drop one of these. And Dan will post it on his Twitter also. 